We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Welcome everybody, it's Steve with Sense Fidelity. I'm coming at you with somebody you probably see from time to time on EWTN, Father Gerald Murray. Father, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Steve. Good to be with you. Thank you for coming on. I saw the book, uh, I, I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but the title got me intrigued, Calming the Storm. It's an interview with Diane. Diane Montagna. I got, I got 50% of it right. <laughs> so, yep, Diane Montagna. What possessed you guys to get together to talk about this outside the obvious of problems going on at the time? Yes, well, Diane is a well-known uh, Vatican journalist. She's written for different media outlets. Uh, she's been in Rome since, I think, 2014. And uh, she had done an interview book uh, with uh, Bishop Athanasius Schneider from Kazakhstan, well-known bishop. And uh, I knew Diane, and uh, she asked me to review the book and given an endorsement. And then I was part of the presentation when the book was released uh, in Rome. Uh, well, Scott Hahn from the St. Paul Biblical Center, who's another friend, uh, suggested to Diane and myself that we do an interview book. Uh, so similar to the book she did with the Bishop Schneider. So Diane and I agreed, and we sat down uh, now almost a year and a half ago uh, in New York to uh, do the taping of a live interview, an interview, of course. Uh, and then we reviewed uh, the transcripts, added some material, and that more or less produced the book. Now, you've seen everything that's come down the pipe the last two years. Where do you think the common layman is sitting at going, you know, with the Pope, with the... Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say the P word, the sickness that's going on, which I call a you know pandemic, and other factors that are going on in the world. What is the local layperson going? What in the wide world of sports is going on here? Right. Well, one of the objects that we had in doing the book was to you know give a diagnosis to some of the problems in the life of the church and society, and to identify you know how uh, faithful Catholics should respond. And essentially, we're dealing with a problem of a loss of faith and then also a loss of reason, a loss of uh, man's uh, confidence that the world is intelligible, that it, there's purpose and meaning inherent in the world and in creation. Uh, and uh, it's, we have a very skeptical outlook uh, present in our society, certainly in the media and academia and uh, entertainment world. You know. If you speak about eternal truths, people look at you strangely. Yeah. Uh, but then they turn around and immediately demand that you believe in their opinions, you know. And so it, it, we're faced with a crisis and others who are concerned about reality and truth and God, where we are treated as, uh, you know, causes of disorder and threats to society. It's just the other way around. 
Yeah, in my own personal life, I've met a couple of people that argued there was, they did a matrix thing. There is no floor. We argued there was a floor while we were in a gym for 20 minutes and he wanted to fight me by the end of the conversation. It's, well, I, he, the fact that he remained standing the whole time means that he did believe there was a floor because he took advantage of it. I never met somebody like that till then. It was in Denver. Uh, yeah, because you, you mentioned faith. You open up, I think, with uh, the quote we had. I'm, I'm thinking about the old right uh, uh, readings of Christ sleeping on the boat. As right off the bat, when that hit, uh, I was telling all my buddies, where are we in that? Why aren't we thinking this? Christ sleeping on a boat, and he gets up and reprimands the disciples. Why are you little faith? Why is it that we, we read these words just like uh, St. Paul's in the last three weeks when charity, 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 but we don't practice this. Yes. Well, actually the, the title of the book is calming the storm precisely because Diane chose that incident in our Lord's life to, to serve as the guiding theme because it right now uh, it looks like Christ is asleep uh, and the boat of the church is being rocked by the storms of uh, modernity. And in fact, it is true that modernity is uh, rocking us because lots of people are losing confidence in the faith. Uh, but the Lord is very much present with us. We're the ones asleep. We're not recognizing his presence among us. So we have to be men and women of prayer, of deep faith. We have to study our faith, get to know it well, and then defend it and come to, you know, uh, let's say a public witness to the truths of the faith to try and help people who are disoriented or wandering. And uh, yeah, the Lord uh, gave, you know, he certainly everything in the life of the Lord, not just his teaching and his miracles, but even how he reacted to different things. That's all a lesson for us. Yeah. I'm I'm one of those weirdos that look at it going, I like this. I mean, it's I mean, sports wise, you get you get hit with adversity all the time. It's it's how you react to it. Do you accept it? Do you work with it? Does it make you stronger, or do you go in the corner and cower and quit? So, what do you do? You see a lot of people that maybe didn't have that background getting too. I want to say like uh, don't want to be part of the wokeism thing, but are we too weak or thin skinned in a sense? Well, I, you know, one of the assumptions people have is that uh, because Jesus Christ came into the world and redeemed the world, that things are basically going to go well, uh, that, you know, uh, belief in God is reasonable, so therefore people are going to believe in God, and following God's law produces peace and justice and happiness, and so people are going to do that. But we're all forgetting about original sin and human weakness, so people are prone to do things that offend God and his law, and they need to be called to repentance. They need to be reminded of what God's plan is and then given strength and encouragement. So we try in the book to encourage people to say, look, uh, the, the difficulties in the life of the church, which are many, uh, doesn't mean the church is not the true church. It doesn't mean the doctrine is no longer true. It just means that we have to you know, rise to the defense of the, of the truth and the faith when we never thought we'd have to, when we, we thought that this was all settled by now, but it's not, so. I just read, uh, I'm reading Garanger into the, uh, the YouTube channel, and uh, uh, today was talking about how he goes, for 900 years, everyone saw Adam pe doing penance, and they still didn't care about it. They still messed up that Noah, they had to get rid of the whole population. Um, it's almost like it's, it's, as much as things changed, it's still the same thing for us, I guess, sheeple, 
the, you know, they got to call the sheep for a reason, right? Well, sheep, as my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, you know, sheep are kind of stupid and need to be pushed around a little bit by the shepherd. And, <laughs> you know, they'll even wander off into the danger zones, not realizing it's dangerous. So, yeah, the, one of the roles of the shepherd is to warn the flock and then use strong measures to try and prevent the flock from wandering in, in bad directions. And we have had some good news. I mean, yesterday, the Holy Father with the Fraternity of St. Peter gave him pretty much said that TC wasn't... Uh, wasn't an issue with them. Uh, yes, that's that's correct. And I was very pleased with that. Um, you know, the Pope, uh, Pope Francis does not have much sympathy uh, with the Latin mass, but he did, uh, after issuing Traditiones Custodes and then approving the responsa, which were very severe in restricting it, uh, he did show, I think, a very appropriate mercy and uh, openness to uh, you know, the continued work of the Fraternity of St. Peter and apparently the other uh, congregations, monasteries uh, where the old mass is celebrated. So that's wonderful. That's a, But again, that's a sign that, uh, you know, making known in a respectful way to the Pope uh, the value of the Latin mass and how people like it, uh, that's no disrespect. You know, that's a service to the truth. And the fraternity certainly will now benefit and be able to help people with the old mass and continued celebration. Yeah, I told uh, one of the priests uh, sent me a text. My brother's a priest with him too, and I told him, "All right, it's time to get on the offensive. Let's we, we know it. We know where the line is now. Let's let's have let's have some fun with this." Well, it's you know, being a faithful Catholic does produce a lot of joy, and even amidst the sorrows and tears, because there are unjust actions. There are you know bishops who are clamping down on the Latin Mass. You know the. Even though the Pope is not in favor of Latin Mass, he did not tell bishops they could no longer allow it in their diocese. Mm -hmm. And some bishops have come up to that point and said, well, we're canceling it or we're making it so rare that it's in effect a cancellation. And that's just not what the Pope said or did. Uh, and now with the generosity towards the fraternity, I hope those bishops will reconsider because, you know, if the Pope considers that the work of the fraternity is doing good in the life of the church, well, why can't other people do the same good in the life of the church? Yeah, our, we don't have uh, one at the in our my diocese, but uh, the, uh, the bishop is very favorable to the traditional mass, and we don't have a tritium now because of what TC is. I'm not 100 percent sure why, but, uh, but at least we had some good news coming from yesterday. Absolutely, yes. And speaking of that, uh, there's a the bishop for Saint Theophane Venard had a great uh, line of three cheers for joy, and this is when all his priests were getting killed in Vietnam. Just they're getting decapitated, and he would still say, three cheers for joy. St. Theophane on, thought he was dying and goes, well, three cheers for joy anyways. How yep, important no, is that for all of us, and especially the guys in the traditional movement, to keep that sense of joy and not get into the uh, anger or, or uh, you know resentment uh, mindset? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with feeling sad and offended if someone, in fact, offends you or does something that they don't realize offends you. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not an, a lack of charity to say to a bishop, you know, you know, most most reverend bishop, excellency, you know, as a, someone who likes the Latin mass, I'm very distressed that you've now decided not to allow it in our parish or in our diocese. Um, so you can react to bad news uh, with charity, but also with persistence, certainly, you know, name calling and uh, exaggerated expressions of disdain, you know, none of that. We don't disdain the bishop if we disagree with him. You know, we respect the office. We think he's made a mistake and we try to 
reason with him and encourage him. But in the end, if he says, no, he's not going to allow it You say, well, okay, you know, that's a mistake. I'm sorry you're doing that. And then, you know, we have to be patient and suffer, wait for a new bishop down the line, or perhaps you live close to another diocese where there is the old mass and you go there, you watch it online. I mean, it's this, you know, you still have to go to mass on Sunday, but uh, if you're not able to go to the Latin mass, well, you know, the Lord appreciates uh, your sacrifice and what you miss. Um, because, yeah, it's much more important to worship God and fulfill our obligation uh, than to be able to go to the Latin mass, uh, you know, if that's not possible. So, yeah, road you know, trip. Boy, boycott. Yeah, yeah, or boycotting, saying, well, if I can go to Latin mass, I'm not going to mass at all. No, that's yeah. not a Catholic way of looking at it. Yeah, that's spiritual suicide. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, if the food isn't good in the commissary, you know, the Marines aren't going to eat. No, you know, they're yeah. going to eat. They can eat whatever the Marine Corps has given them to eat. So You mentioned that P word a couple of times in their penance. I mean, the mm-hmm. last few apparitions of Our Lady mentioned pen, Our Lady Lords. Penance, penance, penance. What can people do, especially coming up in the season of Lent, to do, to work, to pay, as Father Mateo says, you got to pay for the price for conversions and things like that. What can people do sure. with this? Well, certainly observe the fasting rules of the church during Lent. So Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, days of fast and abstinence. Uh, make a uh, Lenten um, you know, sacrifice and stick to it. And I'd recommend you know, one or two things rather than 10, because it's hard to keep track of 10 things. But if you pick two hard things to do, uh, and then do them. And they just don't have to be in the realm of food. You know, it can be in the realm of entertainment, a uh, realm of exercise, you know, that you're going to force yourself to go for that, you know, half hour walk uh, that you don't like to do, but, you know, you're going to do it and pray your rosary at that time. You know, there are all kinds of things you can do. Another thing is sacrifice of study. You know, take the catechism of the Catholic Church and commit yourself to reading it for 15 minutes a day during every day of Lent. You'll be surprised. Same with the Bible. Uh, you know, a great practice is to, you know, read the entire New Testament, you know, chapter by chapters, and then go back and do it again. So, yeah, sacrifice basically means offering something to God in search of his grace in order to thank him, to make reparation for our sins, and to call down his grace upon us. And the Lord does reward sacrifices with his grace. Should we be posting on a Twitter telling everybody what we're doing? Well, it depends, you know, certainly the, you can exaggerate, you know, the idea that you're always got your Twitter feed on uh, all day, every waking hour is that's not good because you have, you have to live your life focused on doing your do- obligations. And on the other hand, if you're doing something good, say, I'm, I'm just about to say my rosary, have you said yours today? That, that's a nice tweet that you know, might inspire people. Some people get on me about saying we deserve, the, we get the leaders we deserve. Like, uh, if if you got a, <clears throat> we got a bad pope. It's we still love him as we do any other father. If it's a bad dad, you still love your dad. We get the leaders we deserve in the sense of we're not doing enough to become holy ourselves. Do you? Is that a message to get out to more Catholics as well to say, all right, if you want to, if it's kind of like the G.K. Chesterton line, what's the problem in the church? I am. Right. Um, well, I'll say this. You know. Uh, we get the Pope we deserve, we get the Bishop we deserve, the priest we deserve, yes and no, you know, uh, because, um, you know, God is the one who, who determines what we deserve, and he sent his son 
in order to redeem us from our sins. So in other words, the, the perfect God became man so that we could be freed from sin. But we're still sinners, and the Lord's message was, take up your cross and follow me. So, you know, the cross can often be uh, having to function uh, in a situation that is not easier or, or, you know, either because of the arrangements in society or in the church. So if you have, you know, a hostile pastor in your parish who, you know, doesn't like the rosary and won't allow exposition, bless sacrament, you know, so you, you do what you can. You say the rosary elsewhere and you go to another parish exposition. But um, but we'll, I will say this. Uh, we People have influence over their children and friends. They should always encourage them to, you know, give an example of confidence in God's mercy and, and his power. So um, even though there are a lot less people going to church these days, you know, compared to when I was a kid, that doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. So, you know, in other words, we're faithful now. We can gain graces that, you know, 100 years from now, um, churches might be full again. So we leave it in God's head. Do what has to be done with a great amount of love, and God will bless it. Like uh, one priest, my former spiritual director in South Carolina, you say, do the ordinary things extraordinary. Excellent. I like that advice. Yeah, put a lot of love into the little things of each day. Yeah, the, the duty of each moment, Mother Angelica always used to say, live in the present moment. Uh, so in other words, don't focus on, well, tonight I'll be doing all my spiritual exercises so well. Say, well, but are you, in fact, doing your work at, at the office or in the factory or at the shop? Is that being done well? Because that's pleasing to God, and that's what you're supposed to be doing. So, And then the other stuff, You'll do it better if you, you know, conscientious. You know, people say, well, I'll slack off on my duties because that gives me more time to pray. No, that's not right. The, the idea of calming the storm is not just calming the storm in the world, but interiorly, right? Of course. And that's, you know, we want people to realize that uh, one of the ways that they can have a calmer spirit about crisis in the church is to know the faith better. And if they study the faith and understand it, then they'll be able to react uh, less emotionally and more intellectually. So, for instance, we just had a cardinal in Luxembourg, which is a small little country between Belgium, France, and Germany. And this cardinal incredibly made a statement saying the church's teaching on homosexuality is wrong. Uh, that's complete, utter uh, failure on his part to discharge the duties that he's sworn to uphold, which is to teach Catholicism, not his own incorrect opinions. So how are we supposed to re react to that? Well, we're very saddened by what he did, but then our duty is to explain to people who ask us about it why he's why he's wrong. The church, teaching of the church isn't wrong. This guy's, this excuse me, this cardinal's wrong. But how do we do that? Well, we have to know well, what is the teaching? What are the philosophical bases of it? What's the biblical root? How was the church always understood and taught things? So, you know, dedicating yourself to study, and that's one of the great things about the internet. You can learn so much simply by turning on your computer, finding the right, you know, blog, website, or, um, you know, podcast. So, yeah, it's pretty. If you can find the temperature of uh, Luxembourg, you can find some good reading. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's distressing when shepherds turn into wolves because literally this man's encouraging people to commit mortal sin and to be and to be, think they're justified in doing it because what they were told as children is, is Catholic teaching is, according to him, it's wrong. You know, he, he should either change his uh, teaching or resign because he's, he cannot honestly represent an organization 
uh, that put him in a position of authority by tearing down the very teachings that he's supposed to be upholding. And that that's one of the big crises we have in the church right now. Yeah, it's sad. Those those types get more of the microphone than the Orthodox uh, priests uh, do. That's true. You know, it's well, the world doesn't like the Catholic Church because we contradict the worldly standards. And the worldly standards are really standards of sins. You know, worldliness, meaning, you know, the misuse of creation is, is you know, at the root of so much of the modern crisis. So we have to understand that and resist. Yeah, I was telling some friends of mine here, if you want our bishop to do what John Chrysostom did, prepare for him to be exiled. Yep, you know, there's... Uh, Right now, you have this cancel culture with people that contradict uh, the errors of the time, or they, they attempt to, you know, wash them out of the public space, you know, call them. You use it with your typical tactics. You, you tell untrue things about others. You call them racist, sexist, homophobes, or you basically, every, their opposition to you is because they hate people. That's not true. That's a terrible debating tactic, but it's somewhat effective because. It, it, the people who hold wrong ideas get the false comfort that, oh, the only reason people don't agree with me is because they don't love me and I'm extremely lovable. Well, of course, everybody is lovable because they're created by God, but that doesn't mean everything you do is lovable or every idea you have is correct. So to, to challenge that will cause upsetness, but it's good upsetness. It's the kind of upsetness we need because it helps people realize they're mired in error and sin, uh, and that's something they need to know. What can what do you want people to get out of the book in general as a sense of after reading it, what is the mindset you want them to come out like, all right, I'm blank because of this? Well, I want them to have more uh, deeper love of the Catholic faith, uh, to understand that the doctrine of the faith is the source of, of of our beliefs. You know, we in other words, Catholicism is not a good idea that the apostles invented. You know, after having met Jesus, they went off on their own and created a whole series of, of rules that they thought were somehow connected to what Jesus said. No, the doctrine is the teaching that Christ, who is God, gave to the apostles, and they handed on faithfully. And then Jesus said he's with us till the end of the age, meaning he sends the Holy Spirit to guide the church through the centuries. So we have to have confidence in the truth of Catholicism. And then we have to have the willingness to, uh, you know, uphold and defend that teaching in all circles, family, school, workplace, uh, social settings, and be ready to be criticized, but not to treat that as the end of the world. Um, you know, we have so many heroic martyrs in the life of the church. Uh, we have the martyrs of communism and Nazism in our own, you know, recent history and lifetime. There are still martyrs of communism. The Chinese communists are persecuting Catholic priests and nuns and lay people right now. The Catholics are persecuted in Cuba and other places like that. So, you know, if we're going to be criticized, at least we should be criticized for saying the truth. Was, I'm reading on uh, Venerable Leon DuPont, and one of the one of his friends said, this man has too much faith. And a bishop was like, well, if that's a problem, I wish everyone would have that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, too much faith means that we have such a deep faith that it's shocking to other people, and they can't imagine how it's possible. But the answer is, with God, all things are possible. And, uh, you know, we, we, the people we admire, who we know to be devout Catholics, uh, we look upon them as people who are blessed. 
And they're the first ones to tell you this is not a personal accomplishment. This is something that God has given me through grace, but also, you know, my fidelity. Because when the Lord said, take up the cross, you know, he meant do that. And your action, the only way that cross gets off the ground is if you pick it up. So, you know, once you pick it up and then you realize, well, I'm not walking alone. I'm not carrying this by myself. The Lord is with me. So get the book at St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology website. We got we'll have it linked in the show notes. Uh, you look down, you'll see uh, Archbishop uh, Cardinal Burke, uh, Mueller, Sarah, uh, Bishop Snyder, uh, even uh, <clears throat> Raymond Arroyo, if I pronounce his name correct, all given their uh, little endorsements of the book. Uh, check it out again. It'll be in the show notes. Father Murray, any final thoughts? Well, thank you for having me on your program. And uh, the book isn't out until April, but if you buy it at St. Paul's Center as a pre-order, they'll send you the electronic copy for free. So you can start reading it uh, already on your, you know, electronic book feature on your iPad or whatever you have. Uh, but no, the book is, you know, as a, as a parish priest, and I've been a parish priest uh, for many, many years, uh, dating back to 1998 after I finished my canon law studies in Rome I was made parish priest so I appreciate that you know religion is lived day in day out but we need guideposts and we need encouragement and that's what Diane and I try to give in this book and uh, Catholicism is the source of all possible joy and intellectual satisfaction and spiritual depth but it has to be embraced as it is. We can't fashion it to our own models. So that's what the book tries to help people to realize. Amen to that. Yep. As I keep on saying three cheers for joy. I just read a quote by uh, DuPont. Yeah, last night I'm doing this thing on the holy face. And he mentioned, he goes, the uh, sadness is the religion of pagans. Because we're Catholics. We should be incredibly happy for being baptized in, in the religion of of Christ. Like, Amen. Well, yeah, paganism equals fear, sadness, and anxiety, whereas Catholicism equals love, peace, and joy. Amen to that. Father, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. God bless you.